How is it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Utilities. As always, I'm your host, Ben Lin. This episode of the podcast features two guys from a very cool company called Aleek. Will, who joined us, is the head of business development, and he was joined by Hakan, who is the CEO and co-founder. Now, I had a great time talking to these guys. They are a genuinely technological company, and they're using their developer skills to benefit energy suppliers by better engaging their customers. In this podcast, we got into things such as user research, the importance of iterating when developing a successful digital product, and also how a lot of technology ventures are being hampered by slow progress in the infrastructure of the UK. I had a great time talking with Will and Hakan. I love what Alika doing as a podcast that sort of looks at innovation in the utility space and how technology is used to assist and supplement that. I think these guys were a perfect fit. I hope you guys get a lot of information out of this podcast. So with no further ado, please welcome Hakan and Will of Alik. Okay, so I am joined on Talking Utilities now by Will and Hakan of Elite. Will, Hakan, thank you for joining me today. How are you guys doing? Thanks, very well. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Good to be on. Spot on, cool. So for um, people who don't know you guys or don't know Elite, do you want to give us a quick rundown of who you both are and what you do? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so we, we're a software company uh, that supports uh, energy suppliers in uh, in developing uh, digital customer interfaces, uh, sort of um, anything from uh, mobile apps, uh, self-service portals, uh, and a whole bunch of messaging on top of that. Um, so really based on, on uh, analytics of smart meter data. So that's kind of, kind of the core bit of what we do. Excellent. And Hakan, your role in the business is the CEO and founder or co-founder, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's actually five founders. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> spread out across, uh, well, uh, well, most of them are back in Sweden. Okay. And Will? Yeah. And, and yeah, so I, I, I look after business development for the UK and background in um, UK utilities uh, for Maxim. Excellent. So a bit of a back, were you sort of one of the, um, one of the, one of the bigger six back in a previous life? Yeah, yeah. It seems quite a long time ago now, which is actually quite scary. I think I've been in utilities <laughs> for over 10 years, which really? is also quite scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so um, yeah. So how old is Alik then? So actually, we um, we started the business um, originally uh, back in two thousand and ten. So we built a consumer product uh, around uh, home energy monitoring. So off the back of the Swedish smart meter rollout, um, so we actually had one hundred percent smart metering for more than eight years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, yeah, we did a B two C product that we sold in in uh, retail IKEA stores and, and the like. Um, and then about three years ago, we decided that you know if this is gonna if this is actually gonna reach the masses, we're, we're gonna have to partner with we're, we're gonna want, want to partner with the uh, the utilities here and uh, and really help them help their customers um, uh, along along the, the journey to kind of all the new co- cool stuff that's happening around uh, yeah you know EV um, mm-hmm. solar um, all of that. So um, yeah, so for the last three years, we're only working with uh, utilities. Um, uh, exclusively. Excellent. And I think that obviously one of the benefits of having seen it going on in, in Sweden and, and doing it for 
eight years is that you guys have had plenty of time to sort of get a get a winning formula down, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I think we put the first uh, app into App Store uh, in 2011, so we've kind of been iterating on that ever since. Mm -hmm. And I think that, so the first uh, 10,000 or so customers that we brought on board uh, in Sweden were, um, I mean, they went out they went out into retail and, and paid money to get a device that would help them track their energy usage. So mm -hmm. that's kind of helped us, uh, well, kind of forced us to, to address the sort of major pain points around energy usage mm -hmm. uh, that the people would be willing, willing to pay money for. Yeah. Uh, but then the last three years, that kind of been a journey of, of uh, making it uh, broader and uh, and um, more accessible to everybody, not not just the, the kind of people that would go out and get a solution for, for energy monitoring. Yeah. And I guess the other piece to that is if you look kind of like wider macro trends, like the word digitalization is banded around quite a lot. I think there's utilities in the industry and energy supply in the UK is quite backward. And I think you use the phrase like we're a bit analog in a digital age mm -hmm. and smart's going to help get there. Um, but it's actually how you help the, the suppliers understand it because like you know, the larger ones have got legacy systems and that's challenging. Um, but some of the new entrants, again, is maybe the lack of energy expertise in some, some areas. So how can we help with experience from Europe? And now we're in the UK as well. How can we really help them to help their customers save money? But also from their perspective, actually, how do we help them keep their customers longer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So when you're, when you were, so, so when you're kind of developing, developing the product and, and sort of thinking about iterations and things, how much are you thinking about when, when you're thinking about your user? Are you, you, you don't only have to think about the, the suppliers who are your customers, you have to think about their customers as well, right? So how yeah. much, how do you guys kind of toe that line? Well, I guess the, I mean, the, the, the real value add that we're bringing to, a, to, to our customer, the, the energy supplier, is uh, it's really that we understand their customer and what they need. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's where, where I would say like 90% of our focus on product is is going into still like understanding you know what is it like to use uh, use energy like what are the kind of major pain points that we can we can try um, uh, helping to to solve with um, yeah using digital tools so um, that's still our you know our DNA uh, really as a company and, and that's where we're we're leaning into that still mm -hmm. and just to build on that it's kind of a bit of a blend of technology and behavioral science but using data to drop within applications, like what people use, how often and when, and that really can help inform that kind of user experience. Excellent. Yeah, this is going to be my next question was sort of what what sort of methods have you guys employed to, to sort of understand and learn this customer behavior? Uh, that's a great question. So um, I think we've been doing a lot of different things uh, for, for a long time for to collect, like continuously collect data on, yeah. on like what are people doing, uh, but um, I think the, the most uh, important ones are uh, the quantitative, uh, like just tracking what people are doing, like figuring out their intent when they're opening up the app, mm -hmm. and how long it does take them to get there. Because like we're not optimizing for people spending the as long as possible on each session in the app, but we want them to uh, come back, um, you know, frequently enough, or enough people coming back uh, at a certain frequency. Um, so. Um, we're looking a lot at that data, but, but we're also asking questions like we're doing um, customer surveys. But we also use uh, uh, you know machine learning around. It's um, so like when you, when we send somebody a push notification, give it, give it like a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Mm -hmm. um, like was this helpful? Yes, no, and that that kind of reinforces uh, our algorithms on, on understanding um, like 
was this actually meaningful to you? Was this just like a pointless uh, piece of information? Um, so, I mean, I think uh, um, we, we did a roundup of some of the data a couple of months ago, and um, I think we've seen so far from the push notifications that about 40% of people have, have been able to act um, as a direct result, act on, on a push notification from the, the apps. Mm -hmm. um, but that still means that 60% have received push notifications that they weren't able to immediately act on. So there's still like a lot of room for improvement there. Mm -hmm. um, does that make sense? It does, yeah. And so is, it, is that to say that the people who, these 60% that maybe haven't necessarily reacted straight away, will they still react later? And if they do, can you guys still track that? Uh, we're, we're trying to, but it's pretty hard to, to piece that together sometimes. <laughs> okay, so uh, you kind of need that additional context, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Um, but we're, we're trying to kind of link, join the dots between uh, what, what people are, are saying that they, they're doing and what, what they're actually doing uh, mm -hmm. a little bit. But it's, it's, uh, well, that's one of the challenges, I think, for, for a lot of software developers is yeah. you have access to so much data and actually being able to find out what's, what's, uh, what people are uh, trying to accomplish versus what they're, you know, what, what they're doing. Mm -hmm. that, that's a little bit, um, a little bit of a challenge uh, to do that on mass, uh, which is why we have to, you know, um, add uh, deep interviews with customers on a regular basis and have, uh, uh, you know, uh, that sort of uh, sort of thing to catch those those uh, other bits as well. Yeah, and I think so from a supply point of view, I think part of the value is not just you know we shipped you software or any anyone could like his piece of software kind of go and play around with it. Actually, it's how do you continue to get that engagement? And I think that's some of the results we've seen actually. If you're giving customers personalized information in the right way, the right communication channel, then actually people are interested because it's personal to them. Mm -hmm. If you just tell someone to turn their thermostat down two degrees to save energy, well, you don't need an app to do that. You don't need any technology to do that. You just need someone to tell you on the phone, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's just driving it to maybe a personalized behavior, but then like linking that back to that wider theme of digitalization I touched on at the start is that customer's expectation is now set by not other suppliers, it's what's on your mobile phone. Mm -hmm. Um, and the interactions you get with other companies through that, if you have an app there, it has to be able to like kind of stand on its own feet there with the likes of like an Amazon, like Google, Uber and the like. It, a customer's expectation is mobile. How do you create that great mobile experience? And I think that's something from a utilities point of view and a supplier point of view in the UK. That's um, an evolving process, mm -hmm. I think. There's a, there's a variety of different capabilities and functionalities in some of the apps that are out there. Um, and I think there's a lot of work to be done to, to do that. And I think you know, we can help, and obviously others can as well, but around how do you help drive that customers to a better digital experience? But actually, like quite a lot of utilities might look at cost of service, those pressures in the UK with price cap. Well, actually, if you could drive a digital journey that customers want to use, when they actually do contact you, it's something they probably should contact you for. Mm -hmm. The rest of the time, they can kind of self-serve and manage their account themselves and you can track their engagement. Mm -hmm. So is that part of what the platform does, is kind of empowers people to take a lot greater control of their own account? Yeah, so, so we'll, we'll work with like like customer information system providers and things like that to bring information in there. Mm -hmm. So we almost like maybe see it as a journey that um, you start off with self-service because that's like basic, you don't need a smart meter. Yeah. But, but that, you know, if you want to get, there's loads of great new technologies in the market that are really interesting that have a massive impact on you know, people's energy spend and how they live their lives, but you need customers to be engaged in the first place to even take the smart meter that's the start of that journey. Yeah. If, 
if you don't have that, then then, then it's not going to happen in the same speed that people want it and need it to, um, effectively. Yeah, no, that must make sense. And in in terms of uh, sort of the user the user data that you guys all have amassed from kind of being present in a few different territories, are there any sort of noticeable differences in behaviour that that jump out immediately from sort of your your user data that you have or? Um, yeah, um, uh, interestingly, um, a uh, like a Scandinavian, uh, like a person who lives in an apartment, mm -hmm. it's like significantly less engaged than uh, than somebody um, you know who lives in an apartment in in UK or France. Okay, um, I think part of the reason is just the amount of money we're spending on on uh, electricity. Like pricing is really like uh, gas and electricity is pricing is really low in Scandinavia. Mm -hmm. And in apartments, you've got central heating, so it's like, I don't know, I've got like a 10, 10 quid a month uh, energy bill, so it's, it's like, it's, it's not very surprising, but, but um, the reverse also applies. Like if you, um, um, if, you live in an, if you live in a big, big home in Scandinavia, you're probably using a, a really a lot of energy to heat your home. Uh, those people are, are really engaged, and they're spending a fortune on heating systems and heat pumps and things like that, so um, they... That's where you find your kind of the, the outliers in terms of people who are really really interested in spending a lot of time. Mm. Um, but then the other thing is, uh, I think the adoption of um, uh, solar and EV is really driving, um, you know, um, the interest and uh, engagement around energy yeah. quite a bit. It's like if you're if you got a set of solar panels on your roof, you're like the whole the whole thing around energy, like energy just really comes to life for you. Yeah. So um, that that's a big difference, and it also might make you more more interested in, in looking at at uh, energy efficiency and, um, and other sort of energy efficiency behaviors uh, or uh, like technologies as well. Yeah, like I guess if you take that solar piece down, you know, if, if you you, you want to get your return, right, you pay that for some panels. <laughs> so you, you start to be really aware of it because yeah. there's, a, there's, a, you know, there's an incentive at the end of it, um, which I think is something also important. That would have totally yeah, agree. That's part of it. Then I guess the other part is, like, if you're if you're a person that went out and paid for to get solar panels, you're you're like you're part of a demographic that's that's more more interested and more engaged. Yeah, yeah, uh, probably. But I think we're gonna see EVs gonna gonna open kind of make energy interesting for a lot of people that that wouldn't otherwise have have thought so. Uh, I think yeah, in the coming years, get, you almost get like use case around if you're an EV driver, you, therefore you have to be more engaged because you need to you know there's there's I think Oxford sent something out when they did a, a tariff out earlier in the year as a trial that had some really big impact for EV users if you moved your load. Um, things like that start to make it more interesting when you start moving your, your pricing around, but it's only if there's some end benefit to the customer. I think if you just, I think there's findings if you just did it as a your normal customer and you start to move it around, it doesn't make much difference. But actually, if you've got an EV and you've got storage, you've got PV, that's when it starts to make a real big material, not like I'll save £10. I'd say three hundred pounds, two hundred fifty pounds. That's quite a lot on that. Yeah, twelve hundred quid energy bill. Yeah, no, that makes it a lot more fun too. I think. Yeah, so. definitely. It kind of it's almost that sort of element of like it's a, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot, but it's that element of gamification, isn't it? Where sort of like you can try and beat how much you saved in the previous month or whatever it might be. Yeah, I think gamification is interesting itself because I think it's a really good hook to get people interested in something. Mm -hmm. But I think how do you then maintain that? Because I know. If if I play a game on my phone, I'm probably bored in two weeks. Yeah. So it's actually a hook to get someone in, but the, you've got to be able to convert that into something that's more like creating a habit 
that mm. happens over time that something that becomes you know I, I, I check my app from my energy supplier just to make sure everything's okay mm. but I keep doing that if I switch providers do I do I get that experience and actually from a supplier point of view you getting true engagements of value to you not just people switching in the market because if people keep switching year on year that supplier won't make anything on that the cost of acquisition is too high yeah the value is in use the market <laughs> about keeping your engaged customers, well, keeping your customers, and you do that by efficiently engaging them. That's the right information that's actually value to them uh, is important. And like, you know, warning them of things that are going to happen. Like, so for example, um, imagine you're a prepayment customer. Um, you're, you're topping up your meter. You want to know when you're going to run out of credit, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to just going, what have I used in the past few days? Let's forecast forward. Well, what happens if you start to bring web data in? Um, previous usage over the certain temperatures and things like that, that starts to become really powerful because it's not just a, I'm just going back a few days and then forecasting forward, it's I'm looking at what the weather's doing, continuing updating that, bringing that through, so you're looking at when you're out of credit, but then also you're then triggering notifications that actually you should top up this amount for this period of time. It starts to become really useful. <laughs> so as far as the, the various iterations of the product, of a leak, as it were, have gone, right? I'm interested in knowing how easy a platform like yours is to iterate and how dependent it is on sort of external factors as well for like how it advances in terms of, say, available technologies for integration or hardware such as meters. Like how reliant are you guys on existing infrastructure? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think... So what we're basing the the kind of the core piece of the product, we're basing that on on just the data from smart. So uh, whether it's fifteen minute data in some countries, half hourly in the UK, or or you know hourly in Scandinavia, um, that's the functionality based on on that. That's like that's what most people will have um, access to mm-hmm. uh, without additional devices. Um, that's the basics, and that's that's key. On we're really key to get to get that right. Uh, I think we're seeing that it's um, that that's where we can we can reuse all that all of all of the stuff that we're doing from from one utility to another, from one country to another, um, pretty much. Whereas um, ultimately, uh, you know, getting um, devices to monitor solar panels or getting uh, uh, you know your EV APIs hooked onto the platform that's those are really important bits for, for the future, but but we're um, we don't want the kind of the, the core elements of, of the platform to be too dependent on it, on it because we, it will only address a few people, and it, it'll be like a little bit uh, at the moment. It's, it's a little bit like a, a bespoke development mm. um, for each utility, where we have to kind of piece together. Okay, these are the bits that they offer their customers at the moment, and turn that into a, a service that that uh, works as a as a piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. It's, it's yeah. a pretty big topic. Um, no, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, I think that it's a it, it's it's that balancing act, isn't it, between like knowing what your what your core like value offering is and keeping that consistent across different businesses. It's it's an advantage for them in the sense that they know what they're getting because they can see you know benefits and ROI from other companies. And but then it's also advantageous to you guys because you're not having to reinvent the wheel for every new every new customer that you bring on. Yeah, and I, I think we take a view that. You know, if someone works you know, at a hardware provider or like an EV like manufacturer, they've got open documents APIs. Yeah. We'll work with it, and we just add that into kind of that 
kind of almost like layer of glue within it, things we can bring in, which mm-hmm. is an advantage for the customers. And also then it just helps in terms of the wider ecosystem. I think if I go back to my uh, big six days, I remember looking at like smart homes a long time ago and everything was like proprietary and locked down. Right. And now you're realizing it, you're almost getting there, but it's not really getting there by locking it down. You buy into someone's ecosystem. You're having different parts from different providers. And that openness of platform and ability to work with others, I think, is really important. Back to your point there, Ben, on the, I guess, your core values. I guess we understand what ours are and other parties will. It's everyone's working together for the end result, which is something good for the customer. How big's the team? Uh, we're 17 altogether. And how's that um, split across sort of how, uh, departments, as it were? And it, maybe not departments at 17, but <laughs> you guys obviously like what, what I, I was <laughs> I was interested about getting you guys on because like you, you do seem like a, like a really like technological company, if you know what I mean. And like this, the whole point of this podcast was to really showcase kind of tech and innovation within the utilities and energy space. So I'm just like, for people listening, I'd certainly be curious about sort of how many devs have you got? Like, what's the split like in the business? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'd say about half are developers. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, and and that, that half spread maybe, so let's say I've got, a, yeah, like one third on front end and the rest on, on the back end piece. So yeah. a lot of the work uh, on the dev side Right now, it's on the integration, so we're doing a lot of work, and also on the uh, analytics bit. Um, and then the other half of the company uh, that'll be like uh, well, sales, of course, um, but also um, well, well, the, the other front but but um, yep. mainly uh, on customer success. So yeah, which is basically you know our account managers are uh-huh. we're, we're really work with our utilities as partners and helping them to develop new services. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, as I said, I think customer success is really important because if we want to make sure we're demonstrating value for our customers on the long term, not just here's a piece of software. Because I think you know, most people, you know, quite a lot of people go build an app that shows many data, but it's actually how to get that engagement, which is where the value is from the supplier side of things. Yeah, and, it, and it's not a one, it's like different from, from a lot of software companies. Uh, I think it, uh, like what we do is very, uh, it's not a one size fits all for utility. So. For every every single customer we have, there's some some bespoke piece or some something that is configured in a unique way, uh, or you know it, it wraps into their uh, kind of fits into their um, existing customer journey in, yeah. in some way or yeah. integrates with various systems. So so there's quite a bit of, of work that we do do collaboratively with with each customer. So mm-hmm. that that's taking up that's going to keep taking up a big portion of our headcount, I think, as we grow. Nice one. Sounds good. Um, so, what are the what sort of have you guys played around with any kind of future developments? Like, what might uh, what might some sort of hypothetical additions or, or iterations of the platform look like? Like, so like just future roadmap and yeah, things. nothing or just throw something yeah. crazy out there. It doesn't I'm not asking for like secrets or whatever, but just like, is there anything <laughs> that you might have something that you might have considered that you would that you're definitely not going to do that you would say or. Um, yeah, okay. Wait, uh, did we lose you? No, no, we're still good. Okay, yeah, just, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, I, I guess the things that we're looking at right now uh, that we have deployed, um, it's actually something that, that just came out a, uh, about two weeks ago in, uh, we're, we're, we're trialing is a uh, um, smart thermostat for electrical homes that is running on uh, on a smart uh, tariff that set, settles um, like hourly. Okay. 
Um, so we're just running that out with, with a utility in Norway. Uh, I've got 300 homes signed up so far. Um, that's quite uh, quite exciting. That's going to be shifting the kind of uh, temperature profile of the home a little bit to to uh, uh, save um, save uh, on the uh, customers' energy bills. Mm -hmm. um, that's quite exciting. I think that's that's something that's going to come into play in the EV space as well, um, which is probably the lower hanging fruit. Um, yeah. And um, uh, you know, EVs is quite quite a big one. Uh, I think we're getting a lot of questions about it and and. Uh, uh, we're doing some work uh, with a car manufacturer in that space, so can okay. yeah. No, no, that's cool. Why don't you leave it at that? <laughs> and NDAs, NDAs exist for a reason. That's all good. Hey, no, that sounds like no, it sounds yeah. it sounds like interesting stuff. I think um, I think that getting people, well, you know, as you guys definitely are doing, is you know, getting getting people more engaged with with their energy consumption, um, whether that be. You know, through saving money or kind of, uh, I think I, it might be a couple of years away, but my, my hunch is that people making money off it is going to be something that is a big part of the market. Yeah. Um, you know, being able to know when the price is right to maybe sell back into the grid, I think you'll probably see people treating that as say people, people or businesses, certain parts. So I think that's got the potential to almost be like sort of a new stock market, you know. Would you guys class yourselves as, as optimists for the, for the future of the energy market? Do you think we're going in the right direction? I'll, um, how can I let you talk yeah. about the, the UK and wider Europe? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, we're, we're definitely optimists. Um, I think we've, um, you know, looking back at where we thought we were going to be, um, you know, when we started the business, mm -hmm. uh, we thought, you know, all of Europe would, would be, you know, on smart meters and we would have been a little bit further along on, on uh, PV and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think some things have taken a little bit longer time than we expected, but but looks like I would say that it's never looked better um, you know at the same time we're seeing this we're seeing this like climate reports come out and, yeah. and various um, uh, effects of, of potentially effects of, of the climate change uh, um, across the world um, so there's like kind of that uh, that dark side of things yeah. right now but I think we're as an industry like we're, we're in the process of solving these problems and, and uh, uh, ultimately, we're we're going to be uh, be. Um, I think we're really on a good path to to make things better. Um, so. uh, I'd probably yeah, echo that. I think it's a really exciting time. And as I said, I think the bit that didn't see you to start with is engagement. When you get the engagement, there's a lot of really interesting things you can do that really benefit the customer. I think if I look back to when I maybe started energy, a smart meeting was something that was coming. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How old are you, Will? <laughs> uh, and we're nearly there. Uh, but but it, I think actually, you know, when we looked at smart home historically, it was like you know, you're trying to sell a smart home product, getting someone to pay like you know, a few hundred pounds for it. Mm -hmm. To get there, you need smart metering first for the majority because they get the interest, and then actually they might value that because they actually understand their energy. And I, but I think also the technology adoption wider, like mobile phones. So like when smart meter right in the UK was envisaged, like an IHD was a great, amazing thing, and then the iPhone happened. And then the whole ecosystem around that. So I think actually the wider change in how people consume digital media and engage actually has helped to accelerate it because mm. it's no longer going to be, I've got a, an EV, I've got some EV and they're not really connected. It's going to be one place that that's going to happen. Absolutely. And that's the phone. <laughs> <laughs> right. Excellent. Well, guys, um, thank you very much for joining me. I won't take up too much more of your time because I know you guys are luxuriating somewhere in London right now. If, um, <laughs> if people want to know... <laughs> 
if people want to know more about Alik and about yourselves, can they can they get you on on the internet on social media? What's the best way to hear more about Alik? Um, yeah, I'd say um, LinkedIn is probably a good place to to find us um, to to make new uh, new acquaintances mm -hmm. uh, there. Um, otherwise, like just just um, just find us on our website Alik.io. That's E L I Q. Um, but uh, yeah, we're pretty active on LinkedIn and yeah. uh, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's on LinkedIn and Twitter is at Lee Frames. So advantage of having an old name. Yeah, man. <laughs> You're the only one, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. All right, guys. Well, as I say, thank you very much for joining me, and uh, I hope we can catch up again soon. Sounds good. All right. All right. Cheers, man. Cool. Will Hakan, thanks very much. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. And that is the end of that episode. Wasn't that a cool podcast? These guys were absolutely switched on. Unbelievable to think that Will's actually spent over 10 years in the energy space already. The guy looks very young, although I have to say his beard game is uh, is very powerful. That's it for me this week, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. As usual, please like it, share it, leave a comment, tell me what you like, tell me what you didn't like. I'm always open to feedback. It's the only way this is gonna get any better. If you want to get in touch with me, send me a LinkedIn connection request or a LinkedIn direct message. You can find me, Benjamin Lind, on LinkedIn. If you want to get at me on Twitter, follow me on Twitter, at BenjaminL1ND. Anytime you want to join in the conversation, just use the hashtag TalkingUtilities, and I really look forward to bringing you guys another episode of the podcast very soon. So thank you all for listening. Please do take care of yourselves, and until next time, speak to you soon.